a good morning to you on this Palm Sunday. And if you're watching at a later time, good day to you. I hope you're having a great day at this point. So, week away from Easter, and Easter is the high point of the church globally. So the church is focused on this, followers are focused, and it looks different in different traditions, but uh, it's a great time of the year, great time of the year. So I want to begin today, I want to tell you a story, I want to share with you a story that took place in my own life that was life-altering for me. Back in 89, 1990, I know that's a long time, I was thinking this morning, my goodness, that's like 30 years ago. (laughs) And uh, that's, that's a long time ago. But it was then that I was sensing, uh, started to sense this tug from God about entering into a call into full-time vocational ministry. Just this tug. I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it in that. By 91, I was beginning my, starting to do some online studies and then and traveling down to Kitchener, down to Emmanuel Bible College to do a theology degree. Eventually, we moved down here. Uh, so I was doing, with, with a degree, you know, four to five courses a year, just chipping away at it, doing my job in policing and stuff. And, uh, and then 2001 rolled along, and I was in my final year, just about coming to the end. I think I had about three or four. And in the summer of 2001, uh, April and I were out for a nice summer evening walk, and we were talking about that coming into my last year of schooling, how good that would be, and wonder what the future would hold. And April said, speaking about the future, <laughs> she said this. She said, I can't do ministry. And I was speechless. I really didn't know what to say. And um, that threw me into sort of like a tailspin. And it was over the, over the next week, as I was venting to God, <laughs> uh, and that's putting it nicely, that God had this piercing question to ask me, saying, I thought you gave your life to me. Or did it come with conditions? And I really didn't know how to answer that. But I knew it was Jesus because Jesus has this way of asking questions that are very pointed and very challenging. Just does. (laughs) That's just who Jesus is. And I'm sure the disciples had a similar feeling or frustration when Jesus hopped onto a back of a donkey and rode down in the main street of Jerusalem and people, crowds gathering and the palm branches laid down on the roadway and people shouting, you know, praise be to Jesus, right? And uh, what a rush it would have been for the disciples to realize that, you know, here we're on the crest of a wave. It's, It's the peak time of the year, and here rides Jesus. And here, look at the crowds and the rush. Like if you were a political leader today, and this was the beginning of your campaign, you would leverage that like like anything, right? Because who in their right mind wouldn't be all over that? Because everything, all the pieces are coming together. Jesus wasn't all over that. (laughs) And my guess would be that he probably left his disciples scratching the head. Because think about it. Here they are. They're in Jerusalem. It's the capital of Israel, right? It's the big city. It's 
big time of the year. It's the Passover celebration. Like everything is coming together because wouldn't it be like you have all the people in favor. This is the Passover. Surely this is God's favor for you. Ride this crest right? And I'm sure the disciples were gathering together, uh, forming their, their, you know, campaign team. Who's going to manage this? And on and on and on. And again, Jesus just being Jesus sometimes doesn't respond the way one would think. A reasonable person should respond. Jesus knew that the time had come for him he knew what was lying ahead, what was waiting him. He, God had, they, they, he knew this, right? But now starts one of the greatest teachings Jesus gives to his followers and to us on this whole area of the lesson on love, on what it looks like. And it wouldn't just be with words, but with the posture Jesus took and his actions. And so John in his gospel, he records what happens because Jesus had rode into Jerusalem. The disciples were all, you know, the crowds. It must have been an amazing time. And, and John records in chapter 12 that some Greeks uh, were there, some Greek uh, Jewish people, and they, they were there, and they went to Philip, and they said, sir, we'd like to speak with you, so, and they said, we'd like to meet Jesus. And Philip said, probably Philip said, at that point thought, I'm going to be the campaign manager here, just hold on a second. He went over to Andrew, said, Andrew, these guys want to see Jesus, what do you think? Andrew said, let's go check with Jesus first. So they told him, no, we'll get back to you, we're just going to go talk to Jesus. And so Philip and Andrew went over and asked Jesus about, would, you, would he be willing to meet with these, these Greek fellows? And Jesus replies, <laughs> but not the way they think. And Jesus says this. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. That was his words. <laughs> That's what he spoke to Philip and Andrew and probably the others who were listening in. We're entering into a week right now where some traditions call it Holy Week and regardless of, of, of what you want to call it, it was Jesus' final days on earth here. And when Jesus mentions the kernel of wheat in, in this, in this uh, statement to Philip and Andrew, he's pointing to his death. And he's been talking about this. He's intimated about this when he's, when he's been chatting in his teachings in that. And, and this whole thing, it's about this whole thing of letting go. And then in the letting go, love brings new life from that. And it's the purest and rawest form 
Now, I grew up in a church tradition where Palm Sunday, it was about the crowds, it was about Hosanna. It was actually a, a very uh, uplifting day, Palm Sunday was. It was, you know, Hosanna, blessings to the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and, and it, w- it was good. We, we'd hit Good Friday, and it was a teach on Jesus having to die to satisfy an angry God, and, uh, and, but we look forward to Sunday. Sunday was the resurrection, and that's what we were heading for, and uh, we wanted to get there. And we didn't spend a lot of time with those days in between leading up to Good Friday. Uh, We went over them pretty quickly. Problem with that is that we missed some of the greatest teaching from God on love. Because when you think about it, the four gospel writers all spend considerable amount of time in those days, in the events leading up to the cross. I think there was something important there they wanted us to get, that wanted us to hear, wanted us to understand. So it's very important for us that we go here and that we sit with scriptures leading up to the cross. Why? Because that's all a part of following Jesus. That's what it means. Remember what Jesus said to his followers. He said, anyone who wants to serve me, that's me, must follow me because my servants must be where I am. The purpose of following Jesus is to become like Jesus, to have my mind, my perspective on life changed, transformed even. It's not just changed, it's transformed. And doing that means I need to follow Jesus at all times, right? Not when it's just good and compatible to my plans in life. It's all the time. Now, going back to the story I began with, in 2001, I had my life basically mapped out how I wanted it to see it. I had what you could say is a preferred future for me. It was laid out. I had it there. And when April said to me that she could not do it, it was almost like literally in my mind, I could see my plans disintegrating before my very eyes. And it put me into a tailspin. As I said to the counselor I went to see, (laughs) I feel like I've been flying a plane and now all of a sudden I've come into this thick fog and my plane's gone upside down and I can't tell upside from right and I'm afraid I'm going to run into the side of a mountain. That's what I said. (laughs) That's how I was feeling. At the time. I was, and I was angry at God. I'd like to say I was ticked. I wasn't ticked. I was angry. Angry at God. Asking him, why did you even bother to, you know, call me if you knew that April was going to say no? And I remember saying the words to him, is this a, some type of sick joke? What is this? Because 
I had given things up, right? I had given up plans for my career. I had, like, I had moved to Cambridge from this beautiful town of Brighton on, on Lake Ontario. It's like, are you kidding me? Right? That's what was going through me. And like I said, the catch came later when God asked the question. And I remember I was in the cruiser, night shift. And it was the question of, didn't you give your life to me? Or did it come with conditions? Did you have conditions attached for following when you said yes? And that took me days days to, to think about that, to ponder, to process, to finally come to the place where I had to admit to Jesus that I think subconsciously I've had conditions to the following. In my mind, I was thinking, I know that I I love April, but allowing the dream to die was going to hurt big time. And I don't like feeling hurt or pain. I don't die easy. (laughs) That doesn't come natural to me to just, roll over and die. And I remember saying to God, do you have any idea what this is costing me? And you know how sometimes you say something and as soon as it's out, you wish you could bring it back? (laughs) And I don't know if you've experienced that. I experienced it then when I said that because God had me right where God wanted me. And the time had come for me to learn the lesson on love. So what happened next? April didn't change her mind. (laughs) Um, I was faced to having to walk this death through. And I went through it with some kicking and screaming, a lot of counseling, and it was not easy because I was walking away from 10 years of preparation, meaning like lots of study, lots of reading, a lot of investment money-wise and time-wise all of it, right? And the whole experience of letting go, the only word that fits is that it sucked, period. That's how it felt. But in that death, I learned two things in this lesson on love. One was what it means to really love, number one. And number two was This is how God loves me. Here's something, a question for you. Did you know that love doesn't even consider itself? Did you know that? Love considers what's best for the other. That was one of the things Jesus wanted to teach me. Doesn't even consider itself. Doesn't even consider itself. 
Love doesn't see a cost to itself. Rather, love sees the cost to the other if it fails to act. In other words, love is, love is compelled to act. Paul got it. <laughs> you see it all over in his letters. One sample, small sample. There's two I want to give you. First one is in Romans 12, where Paul says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And honor means I lift people up above myself. All people. All people. Right? Paul got it. In 1 Corinthians 13, in the love chapter, what we call the love chapter, read at weddings and all of that. One of the things Paul points out is love does not demand its own way. Peter got it. Peter wrote in his first little letter, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers over a multitude of sins. See, in that, Peter is saying, love doesn't consider itself. Love considers the cost for the other, for us, if we don't cover, if we don't cover. We can't forget Jesus' statement in his Sermon on the Mount, right? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. See, the question for me with April was, if you were in April's shoes, Scott, what would you want April to do? No question. Want to give it up. Come on. When you do that for me? Oh, you see, Jesus had me right in the corner. So Jesus, and point on that. It wasn't about what it was going to cost me. Because I had asked Jesus, do you have any idea what this is costing me? The perspective Jesus wanted me to have was the cost it would be for April if I refused to respond in love. So Jesus asked the question again, right? Will you give your life unconditionally? That's easy to read and that's easy to say. But when confronted with it flat out, I know what I said to Jesus. I said, I'm going to say yes, but you need to know I need help doing it because this is hard. This is hard. I know it's about trust, and I know, it, I, but it's hard to do. I need you to help me. For the rest of my life, you're going to have to help me. <laughs> this isn't going to be easy. I don't die easy, right? So that was the thing. You know, and, and we should pick up on it. I you know I've mentioned this little verse time and time again over the last few weeks, but I come back to it again. And it's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. God doesn't consider the cost. He considers the cost to us if he doesn't respond. He knows what it's going to cost us, our life. 
if he doesn't respond. So God responds. Because why? It's what love does. It's what love does. The lesson learned was love is unconditional. I want us to think deeply, deeply on the events that occurred in the last couple of days of Jesus' life here on earth. So I'm inviting you to join with me in lessons on love, journeying with Jesus to the cross. What, what, what is that? It's going to take place on a private Facebook group. Private only because I just don't want just comments going up. This is a time where each of us can take time thinking about the events and the teachings that occurred with Jesus, with his disciples, with us, with you, with me. So I've created a Facebook group and how this is going to unfold is like for the next four mornings, starting tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I will, early in the morning, I'm going to do a Facebook Live. But that recording will be up there so that you can take part in that throughout the day. What's going to take place in that? We're going to ponder the uh, specific passages, think deeply, but the core of this exercise, I'm inviting you to engage with Scripture. Because we read about, it's, 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 it's what I do naturally, I read about, I, I, I look at Scripture, I study Scripture, but rather it's engaging. Now some traditions call this gospel contemplation, some say it's just using your imagination. I go, uh, it's engaging with Scripture, it's putting yourself in that story. It's paying attention to the surroundings, the who is present. It's like the disciples say, hey, come and join with us. Watch what's going on here. And it's learning with Jesus. And it's sitting with that. And it's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. It's having conversations with Jesus. It's, it's what would Jesus say to you in this instance? How would you respond to what he says? It's similar to what Art Ray taught last week in his teaching when he talked about Lectio Divina. It's listening for what is being highlighted in that passage. And you sit with that. And you be there. And you be present. And you let Jesus. And you you look at Jesus. I know we don't know what Jesus looks like. But in your mind's eye, you just imagine Jesus is there taking part in that. And then and you sit with that for the rest of the day. Meaning, as you go about your day, it may come to mind. And you just ponder it for a bit. And you just have that sensitive ear for maybe the Holy Spirit is going to whisper something to you. And so this will be posted. We'll, we'll do this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and again on Saturday. We won't do it Friday and Sunday because we have our Good Friday service that will be live streamed and also our Easter Sunday service. It'll be op- things will be open up. You may join us in person or watch it, on, uh, watch it on live stream. But on Monday, Tuesday, Monday to Thursday and Saturday, there will be this devotion or this reflection, time of reflection that will be on 
on the Facebook. And so I would invite you to join with us on that, join with me on that. Uh, the links are on our webpage, on all our social media platforms. It's in your e-bulletin. That'll take you to how you can join. It's if I can do it, if I can, if I, if I, if I could create it, anybody can join. So that's all, all is that. And, and, here's, and here's the final thing I want to say, and I want to close with this. In John's gospel, John recorded a very poignant, uh, a state, made a very poignant statement that Jesus speaks, and John got this down. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, I no longer call you servants. I now call you my friends. And this is a time for us to allow Jesus to be our friend and to be the friend of Jesus as well. And to sit with Jesus, to be with Jesus during these last couple of days and to talk with Jesus. It will be profound because there's no greater friend. And we sing about these things, but there's no greater friend than Jesus. None. None. And you'll encounter a love that'll blow you away. But it's who God is. God is love. So let me pray for us. Oh, Father God. Lord, it takes time for us to understand what it means to die to ourselves, to lose our life. Jesus, you taught us that if we hold on to our life, if we cling to it, we'll lose it. But if we let it go, if we let it, well, your words are, if you let it die, new life comes. And God, that is sometimes the hardest thing to do, is to let go. It is so hard sometimes, Jesus, because we think we know what life is. And, and Lord, you know the people's hearts that are listening to this right now. And I pray more than anything, I pray they'll know that even their desire to be able to let go, even though they might not be able to let go of some things, even that desire you honor, Lord, and you will help us through because your desire for us is to have life and have it to the full. So I pray that, Lord, for all of us, that we would have life and have it to the full. So we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and minister to hearts right now. I just have this picture for some of you right now who are praying this. That if there was a picture of, of how you're feeling inside, it's like a closed hand. Because, and it's natural, because it's this trust, it's this having to trust. But I see, I see this picture of your hand, that feeling inside that you may be having, that you just open it up. It doesn't have to feel good, but it's the beginning of encountering a love of Jesus that knows no bounds. And so I pray that for you, that as you open up, that you'll encounter the flood of love flowing into you. That God has for you, for the world. That God doesn't consider the cost for God's self. God looks at what it would cost you if he didn't respond. And so God responds in love towards you. And I pray that.
that you would be able to open your heart and say, yes to God, come. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for your love. And we will respond in love in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.